Mother's Day. I have a Mother's Day verse you probably have never uh, seen. Here it is. Proverbs 14.4. Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. If you're a mom, you know that fits you. You know, when there are no auction, the manger is clean and things are orderly, right? And uh, it, there's just not much chaos. You throw some oxen, and all of a sudden they're pooping on the ground. They're hungry. They're uh, smashing and breaking things. They're loud. But if you don't have any oxen, you're not going to get any crops. And so you need oxen if you want to produce you know, some life and some, some vibrancy. And so as a mom, when you choose to become a mom, uh, your ordered world becomes chaotic, right? Your kids are like little oxen in the stall, smashing things, demanding, needing fed and all that. But what happens? Uh, they create an abundance of crop. They create life in your, in your home. And so moms, we, uh, we are here to honor you today. And, you know, as moms, uh, in addition, as Christian moms, in addition to rearing children who are physically healthy and children who are emotionally healthy and, and helping them become uh, productive, s- successful people, uh, as Christians, mom, you have the additional uh, responsibility, the additional task of helping them know, follow, and serve Jesus for a lifetime. And, and that's a, um, I would say, your, your primary, most important task. And so that's what we want to talk about today. Uh, what, can, uh, what does it look like to pass your faith on to your children? What can you do to inspire faith in your kids? Uh, now, obviously, they have a free will, right? And also God's sovereignty is involved. And so it's not all up to you. Uh, but as moms, uh, we appreciate, I, I greatly appreciate my mom and her intentionality uh, to pass on a, a love for the Lord, knowledge of the Lord, a faith to me. So today, we've got a panel I'm going to go ahead and invite up. We've got uh, five moms uh, who are going to come, and I'm going to pose them some questions about what it looks like in their lives to path, pass on the faith. And so you're going to hear from... Those who've been there and done that. We'll let Ann have it first. So here's uh, the first question. How do you, or did you, how do you disciple your kids? So I'm Ann Kefalos, and I have four kids, uh, 18 to 12 years old, um, Hunter, Mason, Simon, and Maggie. And um, it has been... This is kind of an emotional time because Hunter's graduating this week, and to send off a kid is that you have been intentional is not easy. So when they were little, um, we read Bible verses, we um, sang all kinds of songs together. We One thing that I really loved... Um, As we would drive down the road, because I can't really be at home very much. I like to be out doing stuff. And so for me to just sit at home and 
hang out with the kids was not so fun. So we would take trips, and we would go hiking and biking, and every time that we were in the car, I would say, would you look around and tell me one thing that you can be thankful for today? And they would say the mountains or, you know, whatever they saw. And it was a pleasure to always point them back to Christ and say, he made that. Isn't it great what the Lord has made? So as my kids were little, that's how I tried to instill discipling into them. Sorry, I'm struggling. Um, As they've gotten older, uh, we've not only tried to encourage them in their walk with Christ, but ask them what's happening in their life and where they see the Lord working. Um, We've also been intentional to partner with specific people who will speak truth into their life and um, friends that they can have similarities with. I'm Joanna Manweller, and I have uh, five children. Uh, They're a lot older. (laughs) They're 55, 54, 53, 52, and 49. (laughs) And uh, many of them have, uh, well, we have 23 grandchildren now and eight great-grandchildren. So (laughs) lots of wonderful children. In in terms of discipling them, it makes me think when we adopted our first child, And when she was a toddler and not able to understand any of that, we explained to her that we adopted her because we wanted her and we we loved her. And we knew that she would grow into understanding that. And so as each of the succeeding children were toddlers, I thought, well, they need to know that God adopts us because Christ died for us and they can be children of God and teach them before they understand it, give them Bible verses before they understand it, and they grow into it and it becomes part of them and who they are. And I uh, enjoyed having uh, devotions with my children. When they were little, I did it before they went to bed because they wanted to put off going to sleep as long as they could, and they'd be very attentive. And we could uh, read and pray together. And uh, I just strongly recommend, we we would take at least a half an hour every evening. It takes a lot of time to put Bible into children, and it's the Bible that brings the Holy Spirit who brings them to Christ. Go ahead, Kim. Yeah, sure. My name's Kim Burgess, and um, I have the privilege of having four sons, and they are from the ages of 26 to almost 21. Um, Two are adults uh, having their own jobs, and one is married, and I have one grandchild. The other two are still in their college years. it, it was a great, it is still a great privilege to be a mom and um, to raise these boys. It's the most joyful job I've ever had, but it is also the hardest um, and has brought me to my knees many times. Um, my brain is full of things I could say about how to disciple kids, but t- discipling is teaching them, and that encompasses not just spiritually, but just being a human being and um, being a useful, responsible citizen in the world. And it all kind of comes together in how they walk with the Lord. Um, 
I would not have been able to do this job without my husband, uh, Bill. Um, he, it, I was thinking about this while we were singing today. It's like harmonies. Um, if you're privileged enough to have a husband and wife team, you both have different harmonies in the way that you express yourselves and teach your children. But those harmonies have to come together. They have to sound good together. And that means to me that you have to be on the same page with how you teach them, how you disciple them. And that means you have to talk about it and communicate um, a lot with each other about how you're going to raise your children. And I have been very fortunate to have an amazing husband alongside me. Um, both of us were not raised in Christian homes, so we didn't really know how to do this discipleship with our own children. And, but I, when I became a Christian as, um, as a teenager, I just the, the fact that you know this is a relationship with Jesus Christ that I have, and that was one of the things that was most important to me to communicate to my kids, that it's not just religion. We're not just going to church to serve, to, you know, put our time in, but this is a relationship with Christ that we're developing and talking about that with them. And it ta talking about it with them in all that you do, when you wake up in the morning, when you lay down at night, when you walk along the way, and using opportunities along the way, like Anne referred to, um, just to teach them about who God is and how he affects our lives. And I have one little story, um, quickly, that, do I have time? Go for it. Um, that really taught me a lot. Uh, we, all four, we were all driving out of, the, out of the house, and we were taking care of someone else's little tiny dog that actually peed in our house, so we put the dog outside, and it was little, like this big. And we tied it up outside, and the boys were, you know, saying, Mom, you know, we should pray for Snooky because, you know, maybe the moose will get him or something. And, you know, in my mother's head, I was thinking, nothing's going to happen to the dog, you know. But then I thought, okay, they're worried about the dog, so we should pray for Snooky. So we prayed for this dog as we drove out, and that the moose wouldn't bother him. When I came home, we all drove home together. There were, I am not kidding you, seven moose in our yard. And it really, really taught me that, you know, regardless of what I think, I need to pay attention to the concerns of these little children. And it, I've never had seven moose in my yard again. So <laughs> it was just, um, just a little experience that taught me a lot. Next question, uh, what does your prayer life look like as a mom? And we'll give Melody and then Susan a chance here. Well, hello. My name is Melody Belko, and I am a mother of four children. Um, my oldest is 23, soon to be 24, and my youngest is 18 and graduating from high school this year. Odd feeling to feel, see the last one graduating and moving on into his adult life. I confess that I am a prayeraholic. And um, praying for my children has been a lifelong uh, process for me, not just a process, but growing up as a child underneath in, in a large family and helping to raise my younger siblings because the oldest daughter of six, 
um, I did a lot of praying even as a kid for my siblings, for myself, and um, it's just my life is saturated in prayer. It can't, I cannot state strongly enough how much prayer has influenced, directed, filled, moved, um, protected, and guided my life. And um, I would not be alive without prayer. And I don't believe my children, in some cases, might be alive either because I was praying really hard for them. Um, Stephen, my oldest, had a bike accident last summer where he flew off his handlebars and landed on his head and neck. And um, ironically, God had given me a dream that showed Stephen in a state of paralyzed from the neck down. I had a dream that woke me up so solidly that I sat up straight in my bed with my eyes wide open and um, freaked out, really freaked out, because I was like, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? How do I deal with something that's so real? And is this going to happen to my son? And um, I just started praying and praying, Lord, your will be done, but praying also protect my son. If this is going to happen to him, protect him. He's outdoorsy. He he would be trapped in a body that was if it got paralyzed. I knew that, and he'd be miserable. And I don't know what the Lord would have done with that. But he had that bike accident last summer, and he did fly fly off his bike and called me. And I met him at the emergency room, and I thought, okay, I know why I was praying. I know, and um, I think it saved his life. So prayer is just. I can't say enough about it. Anyway, thank you. Hi, I'm Susan Foley, and I have two sons, uh, Matt, who's 27, and Chad, who is 23. And I don't know how to pray, you know. I, um, as when I was uh, young, I was raised in the Catholic Church, and I was taught how to pray there. And I was even taught how many times I was supposed to say a given prayer uh, because um, that was part of my penance. And that um, if I committed this sin, then this was the result. Everything was pretty good. I knew that um, I was at the top of the curve when it came to how I was following God's instructions. And then my um, faith developed, uh, and I learned that there is no curve with God, that we're all here, and Jesus is here, and we're all sinners, and we don't do so well at things as human beings. And at that point, my prayer life became much more real because I learned that I had to be totally, totally dependent on the Lord. That was a good first step. And then God brought to me ministries and a husband who taught me even more about prayer. I am thankful that I get the chance to pray regularly with my husband and that um, we have offered all kinds of things up to the Lord in prayer. I'm also really, really thankful for the ministry of Moms in Prayer 
which has brought me together with many women, several of whom are in this room and who I thank so much for their ministry to me, that taught me about prayer. The other thing I learned is that as Christians, we tend to want to, uh, or as a baby Christian anyway, because I thought in terms of that curve, I had this tremendous burden of pride that can be very, very isolating, where I didn't want to tell other Christians about all the crummy stuff that was happening in my life. And when I learned that I could share prayer with others, it just tremendously impacted my life and my family's life. And I'm so extremely thankful for it. So I don't know how to pray, but I do have people around me who do. Thank you. I'm going to grab the mic back just for time. So next question is, uh, how do other Christians help you raise your kids, disciple your kids. I'm going to let only Anne, just for time, respond to that. Sorry. So um, as Chris and I had the kids coming up, we had great counsel about being really particular about who your kids hang out with. And um, so we chose their friends. And that sounds really kind of selfish, but it was super great. And we didn't only choose their friends, but we became friends with the parents and so we have a community that does everything together. Um, we laugh and cry together. We pray together. We um, celebrate life together. And uh, we just really have made a unique set of friends that our kids will forever have. Um, but through that... When we chose the friends, um, we chose particularly on the values that they have, that they match our values, um, because it's hard to have friends with different values. And so uh, one example I have is Hunter at, oh, I don't know, seven years old maybe, was going home to a friend's house. She had come and pick him up, and he and his friend were in the back seat. And we had been talking about the issue of pornography as a couple because we knew that it was coming time that that would probably be an issue we have to deal with eventually. So they are driving down the road to her house, and um, on the road is a magazine wide open with a nude male. And so the boys what is that? And my friend Cindy said, what do you see? Because where she was sitting, she couldn't see the magazine. So on the way home, they had this great conversation about the sadness of that sin. And she called me and said, Ann, you're not going to believe what happened. And so we chatted. And I was so thankful because she instilled the values that I have tried to instill in Hunter, and it came from a different source. And your, your kids don't always listen to you, as you well know. And so to have those values put in your children through others is just so helpful. 
Um, obviously, like Mike said, your kids have their own will, so you can't always control that. But, um, but to have that community to work together, it really does take a village to raise a child. Thank you. All right, next question. Uh, what, do you, what advice do you have for moms whose kids are making poor choices? If you want that one, raise your hand. Yeah, raise your hand. Um, my kids have made some poor choices. Um, I have a son who uh, has gone through rehab for addiction. And um, I have another son who lives locally, so I won't mention his poor choices, but he would agree with you that he has made them. Uh, and you know what? Those things really give you a chance to get down on your knees and get the calluses that God wants you to have. And it is the crummiest stuff that happens in your life that ends up being used most powerfully by the Lord. And I don't know how he does it. I'm so thankful he does. And, man, it's something I'm going to ask him about when I um, get to heaven. I ha have the knowledge that my sons know Jesus. I can't say that they're walking with Jesus every day of every, of every week, but I do know that they know Jesus, and I know that God's given them free will, and I pray that that free will will be used in the way that I would love to see it be used, but I know it may not. I know also that there are people who come around them because my husband and I pray for that. And there are so many people who impact them in so many ways that we will never know until we get to heaven. So it's going to happen. They're going to make crummy choices sometimes. But it's just a chance to get closer to the Lord. Next question is for Joanna Manweller. Uh, how does your mom role change as your kids get older? Oh, I find with my adult children, I, I need not to give advice <laughs> to bite my tongue very hard. Uh, and they, they make great decisions. But my role has changed. I have more influence on the grandchildren now. And I do a lot of driving of the grandchildren. And I've discovered that's a lot of time in the car. I ordered the uh, Bible on dramatized tapes, on CDs. Um, and they're wonderful. You hear all the battles and the water and the babies. You hear everything. on they're, they're done very well. It takes 70 hours to hear the entire Bible. Well, if I drive the children for half an hour a day, five days a week, and in a year we can almost go through the Bible twice. And the kids really listen to it, and we talk about it, and I find in my new role that it's uh, really wonderful. Thank you. Uh, Kim and uh, Melanie, would you respond to the question, how do you trust God as a mom? Daily. Um, it changes with every step of the way, um, with every child, and it, 
brings me to a place of surrender to Christ. Um, in every single child's life, whether you know what's going on exactly or whether you know a lot of what's going on and what the struggle is, um, I listen to the Holy Spirit in how to pray for them. And that might not mean just while I'm praying, taking time to pray, but it might mean while I'm driving in my car or wherever. I'm, if, if God brings something to my mind or my heart about my child, then I will pray about it. Um, trust is probably the most important word <clears throat> that you'll ever have as a parent. And trust to me means surrendering to God and giving your child to the Lord who loves them way more than I do and um, trusting the situation that they're in, such as when my first child um, left for high school like Anne's is doing right now and he went to Sweden um, for his first year out of high school and there was such panic in my heart and fear in my heart for, oh my goodness, this child is totally out of my realm. And for me, it was, a, it was a great opportunity to really know what it means to surrender myself to the Lord because, like I said, God knows more about this child than I do and more about how to love them and how to nurture them. And so, and then learning how to have that relationship when it's such a distance apart as well, um, learning how to trust God with how to keep that relationship going. Uh, Melody. Well, um, trust is a really big word. And for me to trust God, he had to prove himself trustworthy. And so um, if you haven't found out for yourself whether God is trustworthy, um, I believe that I can fully say with confidence and wholeheartedness that he will prove himself trustworthy if you test him, ask him the hard questions, um, allow him to uh, answer some things, study. The scriptures have been a very foundational piece in developing that trust in my life for the Lord. And I do trust him with my children because I believe he loves them even more than I'm capable of loving them. And I love them very, very much. So um, trusting God has not been a hard thing for me because I really do believe he's proven himself completely and totally trustworthy and he's God he's got to be bigger than what I can understand and hold so it's good hand the mic to Susan if you would uh, I told Susan I'd give her a bonus question is there anything else you think mom should hear today you get the last word until I do uh, oh man I hate that <laughs> hook I hate that hook um, I wanted to tell um, the, especially the women in the audience who have always wanted to be mothers and who haven't had the opportunity to become a mom yet, that I know your pain. I have been there. I have done that. Our children are both adopted, and it took a while, and it was hard. And you know what? The roles that you play are just essential to the children and the next generation in our community and our world. 
Each one of us has a responsibility to reach out to those children and to mentor them and to pray over them in the ways that God leads us to do. And I thank you so much for the influence that you have on the next generation. And I pray that God will bless you and continue to walk beside you in all the ways that you would have him do. And I also want to encourage you that if anyone here doesn't know that Jesus is their Lord and their Savior, talk to any one of us because we are convinced and we've been through the tough questions with them. Thank you. Will you give our panel of moms a round of applause? You may return. You're released. <laughs> Thank you so much. So uh, moms have a big job. You know, there's a wonderful story in the Bible of uh, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. And Israel became aware of his wisdom when he judged between two moms. Uh, if you remember the story, these two moms lived in the same home. They had both had sons three days apart. Uh, they were alone in the house, and one of the moms, unfortunately, um, fell asleep, and the, the child suffocated. And so in the middle of the night, that mom switched children. Uh, and in the morning, the mom whose child hadn't died is now holding a dead child and says, looks closely, and this isn't my kid, gets to Solomon. Uh, you know, it's she said, she said, and Solomon said, bring me a sword. I'll just cut the child in half, and you can each have half the boy. Uh, one of the moms, the mom whose son it wasn't, uh, said, that's okay with me. But the real mom said, no, 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 uh, please just give the child to the other woman. And then Solomon said, well, now we know who the real mom is. And the, the only reason his ruse worked is because he knew the heart of a mom. Uh, the heart of a mom says, I'm willing to sacrifice what I want and need for the sake of my child. And so moms, you have a, you have a great heart, a heart that reflects the heart of our God. And uh, you have a great task, as we've heard about. But, you know, the, God is in it, and he wants to help you. So join me. I'm going to pray. If you would just um, pray in your hearts with me for moms. Lord, we thank you for the gift of motherhood. We thank you for the many examples of faithful mothers in Scripture, like Sarah, Hannah, Elizabeth, and Lois. And so, Lord, we pray for the moms here in our church. We are mindful of these moms especially. Um, Lord, we want them to be like Mary, the mother of our Lord, who had courage in faith to say yes to your calling, uh, even when it entailed uh, the sacrificial death of her son, Jesus. And so may the moms gathered here today emulate these examples of faith and be a model for the rest of us. Bless them on this special day in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.